Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Everyone who has come tonight, everyone who is listening online, God, I pray uh, and we agree together for your Holy Spirit to uh, make alive your word to us. Uh, We are so grateful for the sacrifice, Jesus, that you paid for us. And tonight, uh, we are are just anxious to receive more uh, revelation from your word of all the good that has come to us through that sacrifice. We praise you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, okay, real quick before I get started in the class. I got to get my, there it is. There, so there's this mom and she is just completely, how many know parenting can be a challenge? <clears throat> and so this mom has been dealing with her boy and he's just, he's just a live wire and he's always getting into trouble. <clears throat> and finally one day she just had enough and she says, you know, how do you expect to get into heaven? It was pretty, but so the boy thought it over, and he said, well, I'll run in and out, in and out, in and out, keep slamming the door until St. Peter says, for heaven's sake, Dylan, come in or stay out. (laughs) So that was that. Uh, Tonight and then next Wednesday night, we're going to be talking about, again, Uh, the power of Jesus' blood. And if you were not here last week and would like uh, the first class, the first lesson in this series, get with me afterwards. I will be in the foyer fairly quickly, and I'll get you a class, a lesson from last week. Uh, uh, We encourage you to go over it through the week tonight. Has everybody got a lesson, Uh, one Everybody, nobody without one that wants one. Uh, I'd encourage you to go through it during the week uh, because I go through this pretty quickly, and it's material that is just helpful to us. Uh, There's a a, a really good timing uh, to teach on the power of Jesus' blood. Friday night, want to remind everyone we are having Good Friday uh, service and a worship time at 6 o'clock on Friday, Good Friday. And then Sunday is Easter. And so that's why I wanted to teach for several weeks on the power of Jesus' blood. Uh, A lot of times when we think of Jesus' blood, we think of just the cross and his shedding blood on the cross. And the blood that was shed on the cross was so important. To us, because we all receive, if we receive Him, we receive forgiveness of sins because He shed His blood on the Christ, cross, right? Amen. Christ shed His blood on the cross. <clears throat> the cross, though, wasn't the only place where Jesus shed blood. And every place where He spilled blood has a specific benefit for us. Everything changed for the better when Jesus shed his blood. 
In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And my hope is that all of us will see something tonight and then again next week about the, the power of Jesus' blood and more so not just what it does for people out there, but to make this personal because his blood that was shed was shed for us. He loved us. He washed us from our sins in his own blood. So it, it's, uh, it's personal. It's personal. And we all have to be able to understand and believe this, that it's personal if we're going to receive the benefit and the impact uh, of what Jesus did for us. And this message of, of the cross and of the places where Jesus shed blood, it really affects me emotionally. Uh, uh, I'm affected on a deep emotional level with uh, the sacrifice that Jesus uh, paid for us. And, and I understand that there's, there may be those and there are believers, because I've talked to some, uh, that it may not hit them on that kind of deep emotional level. This morning when I was in prayer, I was thinking about this class and, and, and praying about it and all, and I was just uh, affected emotionally uh, of what Jesus did and his suffering, and, and it affects me on that deep emotional level, not because I'm just so spiritual or I'm more in tune with God than other people. It's really, for me, and, and so if you're not affected on a deep emotional level, in other words, uh, it doesn't just overwhelm you, you know, it's, it, it, it may be that you just, your emotions are just different than mine. I, the reason it affects me so emotionally is because when I gave my life to Christ, I was almost 19 years old, and I was really messed up. And I mean, had I not given my life to Christ, I know that I would be dead and in the hell today because of the way my life was going. It was going straight down the tubes. And, and it isn't true for everybody who gives their life to Christ. They, everyone may not be as desperate as I was when I got saved, but I'm telling you, I was desperate. I knew that I, I wasn't going to make it probably living another year unless something happened and something did happen. Somebody told me about Jesus and I got saved and he changed my life. And so uh, it affects my emotions that way. And so however it affects our emotions, we all need to know that what Jesus did for us, that it was personal. It was for you. It was for me, right? We all needed him to love us and wash us with his blood. And so I want you to say this with me tonight. It was personal. And say this with me. It was for me. Aren't you glad for that? 
the first place that Jesus shed blood was in the garden. And just to give you a preview of this class tonight, this is really all I'm going to talk about is this place where Jesus shed blood in the garden. <clears throat> Next week, we'll talk about the other places. Luke chapter 22, verse 42 through 44. <clears throat> this is Jesus praying, and he says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Okay? Jesus' blood was shed for our soul. Matthew 26, 36 through 39, and I'm going to explain what I mean by our soul in the class tonight. Then Jesus came with them to the place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. There's a desperation in what Jesus is saying here to Peter and James and John. And so then he goes a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. That is so powerful, so powerful. Jesus, what Jesus was feeling here was extremely intense. In Matthew 26, verse 38, this is out in the New Living Translation. It reads like this. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. And so he felt a crushing. The, the battle in his soul was for our soul. Amen. Jesus knew exactly what was before him. Uh, some of you will remember uh, sometime before this, uh, he had been on the Mount of what is called, we call it, the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus was transfigured before Peter and James and John, and he shone like lightning. And, and Moses and Elijah appeared with him on that mountain and told him, began to instruct him about what was going to happen and how he was going to suffer. And, so, and he also knew the, the Old Testament scriptures and the prophecies that were about the Christ and what he was going to face. And so, Jesus knew exactly what was ahead of him, and it wasn't just the physical suffering, but uh, Isaiah did prophesy about what he was going to suffer and said that he was going to suffer more than anyone ever had before. This is just mind-blowing. Isaiah 52, verse 14, this is prophetic of what Jesus was going to to experience. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness. 
after Jesus had been whipped and beaten and uh, the crown of thorns put on his head as he was hanging on the cross, this is, this is what they're saying. He was marred. He was disfigured more than any person ever. He, was, he suffered more than anyone ever had before. And so Jesus knows this is ahead of him. And not just the physical suffering, but he knew that he was going to experience on the cross uh, uh, something that he had never sensed before. Uh, there was a cry that came from Jesus, and many of you will remember on the cross where he says, my God, and this was prophesied in the Psalms, where he cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He, Jesus felt abandoned, uh, forsaken on the cross, and he knew this was ahead of him, and so he won the battle for our soul. And our soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. And I know I don't even have to ask how many of you ever struggle with your mind, your will, or your emotions, because I know the, the answer to that. I, every once in a while, I have a mental battle, and, and some of you experience uh, mind battles. Uh, uh, we sometimes wrestle with our will over God's will, don't we? That's about four or five of us. <laughs> no, messing with you. Uh, uh, we all need help uh, getting control over our emotions, uh, fear and worry and uh, anger and these kind of things. And so Jesus' blood, the power of Jesus' blood was shed for our whole soul, mind, will, and emotions. And so I'm going to break these down and talk about each one. Jesus' blood, first of all, was shed for our minds. Our minds are, are incredible things. Remember the old, some of you remember the old commercial, a mind is a, it was about a college fund. A, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. And, and our minds are incredible creations from God. Uh, with it, we can think, we can reason, we can imagine, we can dream, and so much more. But our minds also are a real focus of Satan's attacks, aren't they? Uh, I know that in this place tonight, there are some of us who have at one time or another experienced a heart attack. There's a few here tonight. I know that have. Uh, but I also know that every single one of us that are here tonight, or if you're listening online, all of us have experienced mind attacks. Uh, because Jesus shed his blood, we have a defense against mental assault. And this is an area where we need to apply his blood every day. We need to apply his blood on our minds, okay? And I'm going to talk about what I mean by that in just a, a little bit. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We need to believe this verse. And so that last phrase there, two words, sound mind. Man, that's a good thing to have, isn't it? 
And I want everybody here to know that this is a gift of God to us. God has given us a sound mind. Jesus shed blood so that we could have a sound mind. Tell yourself, I have a sound mind. And I know, it may, I know that a lot of you are thinking, because I, I can already, I can almost read your mind. You're thinking, well, you, haven't, you haven't lived inside of my mind today. No, but I have mine, and I do know that even though we are, it, our minds are a focus of attack, God has promised us that we can have a sound mind. We have been given a sound mind. And, and I've, uh, the, the Greek word for that two-word phrase, sound mind, is the Greek word sophron, sophronismos, sophronismos, and it's comes from a combination of the Greek words sos, meaning safe, and friend, friend, meaning the mind, or safe mind, or safe thinking. And so, the word denotes, or this word, sophronismos, denotes good judgment, disciplined thought patterns, and the ability to understand and make right decisions. It includes the qualities of self-control and self-discipline. Now, that definition is what God promises us, and it's something that we need to believe for. <laughs> Tell yourself, I believe it. We need to believe for it because Jesus paid the price so that we can have it. So I want you to tell yourself, and I want you to repeat this with me, I have a sound mind by the blood of Jesus. That's good. Uh, through Christ, we have been given and promised mental health. Somebody say, thank God. We don't have to live with a mind full of confusion and unrest, but Satan is constantly at work to harass our minds. Uh, he tries to plant thoughts in our minds that tempt us uh, and tries to convince us, you know, just this one time won't matter, no one will know, and so he brings temptation to our minds. Uh, he tries to plant thoughts of doubt and and unbelief and negativity and fear in, into our minds and uh, th th says things like, well, things will never be good again. It's always going to be bad. And, you know, we are living in such strange times that it almost, we, we almost have an expectation of everything being bad. But even though things in the world are not real good, things in our life, and the promise of God for us is to help us and that in the midst of this, we can have a sound mind. Uh, Satan tries to sow or plant wrong thoughts about God. Uh, he'll tell us, that, well, God, he, God doesn't care. And it's not like we see him or feel something on our shoulders speaking, but our thoughts our mind can have thoughts like, uh, well, God doesn't really care, or he's not listening, or he's given up on you. And I can tell you, those are lies from hell. 
And so we need, every one of us needs to learn to plead the blood of Jesus over our minds. Plead the blood of Jesus over our minds. Now, I heard this preached about after I first became a new Christian, and this was some years ago, and, but I didn't have them explain it. They just said, you plead the blood, <laughs> you know, plead the blood. And so I did. I was, I was a young believer, and I didn't know really what all that meant. I mean, I knew that Jesus had shed his blood for me, but so plead the blood, they said, plead the blood. So I, I plead the blood, but I really didn't understand what it meant. And so I want to give you a definition of what this means. And some of you have heard that phrase, and some of us use it. I plead the blood. This is what it means. The word plead means to beseech, entreat, pray, declare, assert, claim, state, or put forward. I like that. Uh, so to plead the blood of our minds means we pray, declare, assert, claim, state, or put forward Jesus' blood over every troubling thought. Amen. That's good. Plead the blood over our minds. If we have unclean or other thoughts that are sinful, we plead the blood over our minds. We declare Jesus' blood over our mind. We claim it. We state it. We put forward Jesus' blood over our those uh, uh, unclean or sinful thoughts, right? Uh, if we're doubting or we just negativity just hits us or, or if we're fearful and we're worried and we're afraid, then we plead the blood over our minds. And I plead the blood over this doubt or this fear, or this worry or, or anger, whatever it is. And so uh, Jesus shed his blood so that we could have it applied to our minds. Safe thinking, okay? So before we move along, I wanna just pray for us. In each one of these areas, I wanna say a specific prayer with you because I know that there are a number of us here that have been battling in our minds. It's not because you're a bad person, it's not because, and it may be things that you have allowed to come in and you need to just get rid of. But some of it is just because the devil doesn't like us. And he's constantly trying to plant thoughts that are, again, are uh, not true of God, uh, thoughts that are sinful, or thoughts that are just uh, contrary to us, that make us uh, at dis-ease. You know what I mean? And so tonight, what we want to do is believe God for that soundness of mind to settle in over us. Plead the blood over Jesus' uh, uh, Jesus's blood over our minds. You ready? Let's pray. Just bow your head and just pray this out with me. Thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood for me. I plead your blood to cover, cleanse, and comfort my mind. I have a sound mind through Christ. I believe this. I plead the blood over my mind in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Jesus' blood was shed for our mind, our will. 
Uh, the following was Jesus' prayer in the garden. In Luke 22, 41 and 42, it says he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Now it's interesting that man in the Garden of Eden forfeited his will. His will was forfeited in a garden. Adam and Eve forfeited their will in the garden, and it was regained in a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. The first place Jesus shed blood was in the agony of surrendering his will. Blood was released, and now through his blood, we have help with our own will. Aren't you glad for that? I I need his help over my will, Uh, and we all do. Jesus' or God's will is best for us. Now, this is something that's so important. Uh, I always have Cindy go over my notes to edit and make sure I don't have misspellings or, or something weird in there. And so she does that for me. And she encouraged me to, to, and talking about God's will, is to remind us that God's will is good. See, a lot of people think of God's will. If I surrender to God's will, then he's going to make me go live in a mud hut in Africa or do something. And really, God's will to a lot of people is a negative thing. And so I think some of it is because of wrong teaching and preaching. But, But... And it's not that God's will is something that as soon as we begin to sense it, it may not be something that appeals to us immediately. And I'll, but it's always good. And I want to give you a, a, just a personal example of that. After I gave my life to Christ, I uh, was in a church that was strong on raising up uh, preachers and ministry and all that. But I had never, I mean, it didn't even dawn on me that I would ever be doing what I'm doing today. I mean, it was as far from reality to me as anything because it, uh, in school, I hated giving oral book reports. I didn't like standing in front of people, uh, hated it, uh, detested it. And so I knew I was good for everybody else, but that's not for me. But then God started dealing with me about preaching and teaching. And, and I, you know, truthfully, when he first started putting that on me, I thought, well, God, you know, don't you love me? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, come on, you, you know the way it was in school. I, I don't like standing in front of people. I, uh, uh, even going on dates, I, was, I hardly ever went on a date without having... Uh, some kind of chemical assistance, you know, to kind of, you know, uh, get me beyond my own self, you know, whether it was drinking or smoking pot or something like that. So, you know, and I knew God wasn't going to let me uh, drink and get high before I, you know, to be comfortable enough, you know. So, and this is young believer type mentality, God, you know. And really, I thought, so I, I put it off for a good period because I just thought, oh, that's just kind of me thinking that. But it, 
I felt God dealing with me. And so, long story short, I started responding to God, and uh, now I've been uh, pastoring for 43 years, and, and I enjoy doing what I'm doing. Now, I never would have expected God's will to be as good as what it is. But I'm here to tell you by personal testimony, whatever God's will is for your life, for my life, it's good. And so Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove, and that word prove means to approve or to prove as genuine. If you've got a, a pen or pencil or something, you might jot that down. It means to approve or prove as genuine what is, and listen, that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I think there are a lot of people who think when it's talking here about the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, that this is only talking about from God's vantage point. In other words, what He wants us to do, it's good and acceptable and perfect to God. But it also applies to every one of us. God's will to us as we live in His will, listen, it is good, acceptable, and perfect for us. Okay, and I looked up these three words, good. The word good literally means here, pleasant, agreeable, joyful, happy. Now, that is so far from what a lot of people think God's will. Before I gave my life to Christ, I could never have imagined living the life that I'm living now. Just couldn't imagine it. I couldn't imagine uh, living a clean life. I just, just because it wasn't me, you know? You know. (laughs) And so... I, it, it, but living in the will of God is good. It is agreeable. It is pleasant. It's joyful. It's happy. Uh, acceptable. Acceptable means well-pleasing. God's will, as we live His will, it's well-pleasing. It's a, it's a heck of a lot better life than what we had before. And everybody said, that's right. Perfect. This word perfect literally means brought to its end or finished. Or in other words, and we're going to see God's will is working. It's a perfect thing that He is going to cause it to come to its finality in our life. He's going to accomplish it in us. Okay. I want you to say this with me. God is good. God's will is good and perfect for me. It is. Jesus shed blood to give us willpower. So he won the battle over his will in the Garden of Gethsemane, and now he helps us with ours. And we all need that. There's help for us through Jesus' blood. 
Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13 speaks specifically about this. And it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Now, a lot of people get stuck in verse 12 where it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And it's like, oh my gosh, what in the world is he talking about? He doesn't say, work for your salvation. He's talking about working out our life with God with a sense of reverence and awe. It's not that we're to be in fear and trembling of God. God doesn't want us fearful. We're supposed to be uh, able to come before him boldly, right? With a confidence and assurance as a child to his parent that loves them. And so, uh, but he says, work out your life. And this is what he's saying, with God, with a sense of reverence and awe. But it's vital that we get verse 13. This is so important. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. That's awesome. I told you just a little bit ago, I couldn't imagine myself living the Christian life before I got saved. You know why? Because I had a carnal mind. It hadn't been renewed. I, I, didn't, I couldn't project living this kind of life, but after we get born again, <clears throat> God begins to work in us, doesn't he? And what he does is he begins to give us the, the will, both to will. In other words, the desire or the, the want to. See, before I, I didn't live a chaste life before I gave my life to Christ. You know why? Didn't want to. I do now. You know why? I want to. And God put the want to in my life. And so that's what he does. He begins to work these things out of us. And all of this is a progression as he works in our life. The, he, he works in us the will, the desire, or the want to. So to will and to do his good pleasure. It's, it's a miracle to be able to pull off living the Christian life. <laughs> it is. It's just a miracle. And so what we do is we submit to God. We say, God, I got to have your help. And the areas where our will begins to run up against his will, we ask him, God, help me to do this. The, the areas that we need to overcome, we need God's help both to will and to do. Isn't that right? Amen. Okay, so we have the power of the blood of Jesus working in us to do God's will. And so we don't have to continue being self-willed. We can, we can ask him to help us both to will and to do. So through Jesus, we can overcome any habit, addiction, wrong attitudes. We, we can uh, even overcome just being plain old mean. He'll work his will in us to be nice people. A lot of you remember, I've, uh, every once in a while when I'm driving, Cindy will tap me on the leg and just say, be nice. <laughs> be nice. And so God works in us his will to, to even just be nice, to do his will. 
And so Jesus' blood was shed to give us willpower. All of us need his help. There, uh, the worst thing in the world would be to try to pull off living the Christian life in our own ability. Because we can't do it. And when we try to do it, we fail miserably. That's why the Bible says, take heed, he who thinks he stands, lest you fall. As soon as we think, man, I'm doing pretty good, whomp, right? Because we cannot do it in our own willpower. We have to. So what we do is we bring our will and join it with his, and he enables us to be able to live the Christian life. If you have been discouraged about the way you're living the Christian life, let me encourage you tonight. He is working within you, his, the, the desire, the want to, and he'll give you the ability to do. Amen. Now tell yourself, I believe that. All right, I'm going to pray with us right now. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. And would you repeat this out with me? This is a prayer and confession. And just say, thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood for my will. I surrender to God's will for my life. I plead your blood over my life. I am free from addiction, habits, and holding on to wrong attitudes. I am free to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Jesus' blood was shed for our mind, our will, and then finally, our emotions. Now, somebody say, help me, Jesus. <laughs> our emotions can be extremely dangerous. Uh, we are, uh, can all be affected by fear or anger, depression, anxiety, stress, and hundreds of other negative emotions and feelings. And make no mistake about it, Satan attempts to manipulate and control us by our emotions. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 26 says that they may come to their senses. <laughs> uh, uh, say, Jesus, help me come to my senses. Yeah that they may come to their senses and escape the snare or the trap of the devil having been taken captive by him to do his will. So, all of us have had our emotions or Satan attempt to control or manipulate us by our emotions. Some of us, we get a... We, You've caught yourself in a mood before, haven't you? Now, husband's wife don't nudge each other. Don't do that. That's not good. But we all have found ourselves in a, a, a mood or hooked on a feeling. Not going to sing it. Not going to do it. Blue suede, hooked on feeling. B.J. Thomas, same song. But we've all been at times hooked on a feeling. Uh, there are times that, that all of us have probably gotten really mad at someone and then uh, realize after a period of time, man, I have been mad about something stupid for a day or a week or a month or a year or decades, something. Anyway, and so 
uh, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't allow anger to control our lives, right? There are times some of us catch ourselves in the, in the snare of a depressing mood. And we, I have, and I'll just make confession, there have been times where I just kind of wanted for a period of time to kind of just wallow in my own self-pity. And so fear and anxiety and stress are almost accepted in our time as a norm because of the, the days that we live in. Uh, this, I, I got this, and it says the U.S. is the most prosperous nation in the world, but we are also the largest consumer of drugs to combat stress and worry. Isn't that weird? Uh, we've got to understand how negative uh, emotions can be damaging to us. Uh, there's a study by the American Medical Association that found that stress is a factor in 75% of all illnesses and diseases that people suffer from today. <clears throat> and we are not meant to live angry, afraid, worrying, doubting, or depressed. Jesus shed his blood to free our soul, the seat of our emotions. An example of this is in Mark chapter 5, verse 15, where Jesus, they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. This is a guy, if you read the story in Mark chapter 5, he had been, they had, the people in this town had tried to chain him up. He broke the chains. Uh, he lived in the tombs screaming and crying out. Uh, terrorized their uh, area, and yet one encounter with Jesus, and he was set free. And he's sitting and clothed in his right now. He was the, I call him the original streaker, or one man haunted house. And one encounter, and he is released and set free. It said that he had a, his name, he Jesus said, what is your name? And he said, Legion, because we're many. The, the demons said, Legion. And I, when I was praying before this class tonight, I had looked this up before, but I asked Siri to help me out. And I said, Siri, how many people are in a Roman legion? And Siri says there are 5,000. So he had a, a bunch of issues. <laughs> and one encounter with Jesus, and he was set free. Our emotions are meant to be free to serve God. Uh, J. Floyd Williams was a, was a, a preacher of yesteryears, and uh, I had heard several cassette tapes back in the day when, anybody know what cassette tapes are anymore? Yeah. Anyway, I heard several cassette tapes of him preaching, and in one of these, he made the following statement. He's gone on to be with the Lord. But he said, <clears throat> psychologists say we have 42 different emotions. He said, I believe an experience with God will affect all 42 of them. Amen. Psalm 100 and verse 2 says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. That is a novel thought, isn't it? Amen. That you and I are meant to serve the Lord with gladness. 
Uh, our emotions are meant to be free to serve God with, with joy and gladness. And, and listen, if anyone should be glad, it's you and I as the people of God. Uh, I know that all of us have things we deal with in life, and, and Satan is constantly trying to combat us and, and all, but, but we have been saved. We have been forgiven. We have been given promises for this life, and this life is, the Bible says, just a vapor, just a wisp of smoke, and then we enter into eternity uh, forever with Jesus. That's pretty good. And if anybody in this life ought to express joy and gladness, it ought to be us as God's people. Okay, uh, one last verse of Scripture, 1 Peter 3 and verse 8 says, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion one for another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous. And so, our emotions are free to be able to feel for and care for each other. See, what Jesus begins to work in our lives is uh, where we're not just focused on ourselves anymore, but we begin to express uh, empathy toward others. Our emotions uh, begin to be moved toward other people, and we're not just selfish and self-centered. One of the great miracles of Christianity, and I think especially in our time, is when people begin to feel for others instead of just thinking about themselves. Selfishness is overcome with compassion for other people. Okay? Jesus shed his blood to free our souls, our mind, our will, and our emotions. Now, everybody say, help me, Jesus. All right, let's pray one last prayer, and then we'll let you go. I want to pray this with you, and then I want to pray over us tonight. Uh, pray this with me out loud. Jesus, I plead your blood over my emotions. I will not allow fear, anxiety, stress, depression, or anger to control my life. My emotions are free to serve you with gladness and to care about others. In your name, the name of Jesus, amen. Lord, we just tonight pray and agree together for freedom in every mind and the struggles of will and in our emotions. Lord, we are thankful for this time of remembrance, this season and the, the Easter season uh, where we remember the sacrifice that you made for us. And tonight, we agree together for your blood to be, uh, we plead your blood over our lives, our minds, our will, and our emotion. I pray tonight that each and every one leave with a sense of assurance of your help in their lives to be able to continue to live the Christian life. Thank you, Lord. We're not on our own. You've promised always to be there, to never leave, to never forsake, 
to always help, both to will and to do your good pleasure. We praise you for it. We thank you for it. In your wonderful name, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.